0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. Before we begin, I want to let you know about some resources that are available to you. One of my mentors, John Maxwell, he was the one who emphasized that if you were going to make a difference in someone's life— You don't just give them a message, but you provide resources. Why? The message ministers for a moment, but resources can affect their lives for lifetimes. So I want to mention a couple of resources. One is my newest book, Five Prayers That You Pray For Kids. Now, if you're listening to this and you have kids, you need to get the book. Someone says, well, my kids are grown, so are mine, but I still pray these five prayers someone may say, well, I don't have kids yet. You need the book because the best time to learn to pray for kids is before you have them. If you're a pastor, let me just say to you, the last part of this book where we go into lessons on prayer is just something you need to grab a hold of, and honestly, you need to teach it. Your people need to know it. So I want to encourage you, you can go to my webpage, Brooks Ministries.com, and you can get it. Now, if you're not a pastor and you want to give your pastor a gift for Christmas, I want to recommend my flash drive. My flash drive is over 50 lessons, many of which have the outlines uh, available Also, And so when you get this flash drive, what you're doing is you're giving your pastor a gift of resource. And so they're going to have 50 sermons that are thought out, that are outlined for them, that they can now utilize in a very positive way to help themselves and to help the congregation. So you can get any of that, all of that, by coming to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. Hey, today, uh, I want to navigate some terrain that really requires a little bit of honesty, and that is, what do you do when you're leading without passion? What do you do when you're leading without passion? So it's one of those terms that I think we have to define on the front end for us to be able to get it. Really, if you go back and you study the origin of the word uh, passion, it goes back to uh, about 1100 A.D., and you can see the word being introduced in its more modern context. And basically, it's a word that referred to suffering. Now, we don't tend to associate passion and suffering, but back then they did. So let me describe to you the definition that they would give the word passion passion. Passion was having a cause that was greater than the pain you were dealing with. Passion was having a cause that was greater than the pain that you're dealing with. See, they realized that pain would many times come into people's lives, but people of passion had a cause that motivated them and was greater than the... Uh, problem that they were facing, the pain that they were going through. And literally, it referred to Jesus on the cross. And it describes what happens in Hebrews 12, where it says, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. The cross was physically unfun. Uh, It wasn't a pleasant experience. It wasn't something that anyone wanted to go through. But Jesus had a passion. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. He had a cause that was bigger than the cross. And his cause was a relationship with you and a relationship with me. See, on the cross, what kept Jesus up there was the fact that when he looked to the right or the left, he saw you and he saw me. So passion, it's a cause which is greater than the pain you're dealing with. That's the historical definition. Now, let me modernize it more. In the positive, it means to be on fire, to have a fervency, to have a fire about you, to be on fire. See, there's nothing worse than being asked to follow someone who wants you to be totally committed, but they're no longer on fire themselves. There's nothing worse than that. People who want total commitment from those that follow them, but they no longer have a fire that burns within them. So how is it that that happens? How is it that we go from being these passionate leaders who are on fire, who have these great causes that allow us to handle the turbulence of life, And how is it that we find ourselves leading without passion? Well, let me talk to you about some of the things that cause leaders to lose their passion. Number one is when you are drained. You know, like the drain that would be in a sink and you open up the drain so that the water can go down. There's nothing left in the sink. That concept that you are drained. And what happens when someone's drained is it usually involves pursuits of great exploit. So you've had to be in a demanding time of ministry. So let me illustrate this biblically. This would be Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal. This is a pivotal point in Israel. Are they going to serve Jehovah are they going to serve Baal, are they going to go after God, or are they going to pursue things that are less than God? This is a pivotal point, because this point is going to determine the destiny and the destination of Israel. So we know that it was a very dramatic moment where Elijah challenges these 400 plus uh, prophets of Baal. He is standing all alone in the midst of this and he begins to issue the decree, if your God is God, let him come and consume the altar with fire. If my God is God, let him come and consume the altar with fire. And as a result of that, we see this miraculous moment where fire comes down and it just consumes the whole thing. There's nothing left. This is dramatic, but in the midst of the dramatic, it's also emotional. See, this was a demanding time of ministry because if you're Elijah, you know that if that doesn't happen, you're dead. It's over. It's done with. Whether Bell's Prophets call down fire. If your God doesn't bring the fire, then what happens at that particular point is you're over. So sometimes in ministry, we face demanding times. You cannot do demanding extended times of ministry without pouring your heart in it. And so what happens is we're in this demanding time. Maybe we're in the middle of a fundraising project in the midst of that. We've got to carry the load of the pulpit in the midst of that. There's some drama on our team in the midst of that. There's some key people that are going through pain. And in the midst of that, you have your own heartache and you're having to minister in the midst of it. And it is demanding. Now, When leaders tend to become drained, there's always a sort of a indicator, and that indicator is this, they tend to become hypercritical. They tend to become hypercritical. They're critical of others. They can even be critical of themselves. They're critical of God, but they become hypercritical. And even Elijah, you see this because he said, nobody else is faithful to you, God. Well, in one sense, he's talking about his faithfulness. In the other sense, he's criticizing everyone else for their lack of faithfulness. See, whenever there are demanding times in ministry, we have to insert a pause. It's that Selah moment that happens throughout the Psalms. You know that Selah where it sort of says, okay, No music, no words. Let's just sit here. Let's just experience what's gone on and let's prepare for what's going to go on next. There's a story told about uh, a missionary in Africa. And before the continent was opened up to missions throughout, this missionary had gone in and he was wanting to get to a certain village because there is a need there that he wanted to address. So he got together a whole team of people, and many of them were people that were carrying all of the resources, and they were natives of the land. And so they had worked really, really hard for a few days, and the next day he got up and he intended for them to march again, but they wouldn't march. And he looked at them and he says, Why aren't you marching? And they responded by saying in their language, we've marched so fast and so hard, we now need to take a day for our souls to catch up with us. Will you talk about a wisdom of a group of people? How often do we march beyond our souls and we never allow our soul to catch up with us? What wisdom those people have. So sometimes leaders lose their passion just because they're drained. They've been through an extensive, demanding time of ministry that is requiring their heart on multiple fronts, and they just have lost it. They have nothing left to give. Well, there's another one, and it's when you become dried out. And and this refers to how that something that— would be a solid piece, but it begins to be dried, and maybe the heat's gotten to it, maybe the sun's hit it, and it's just dried out, and it needs some oil or moisture put back into it. David talked about this in Psalm 63 and verse 1, when he says, you know, my soul thirst for thee. There's a difference between a drink of water and being thirsty for water. A drink of water means, hey, I just have this need to quench sort of my thirst. But there's another thing to truly be thirsty. That usually means that you're lacking something. and Your body knows that you're lacking and it's sending that signal. And it's saying you need to be thirsty right now. And so David said, my soul thirsts for you like I'm in a land where there is no water. That sense of needing God, but somehow God seems to be absent. See, this happens in leaders when we've exhausted our resources without replenishing them. We've exhausted our resources without replenishing them. And see, what happens is leaders can get used To running on empty. See, leaders are people of action, and as people of action, they can get used to running on empty, to somehow just get used to it. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And as disciplined as you are, there's still something that has to be there for the discipline to work with. Now, here's the thing about running on empty. If you've ever been on a road and all of a sudden a car just hits that fume stage and finally sputters out, what happens when a car can no longer run and it sputters out is they back everyone else up. And in leadership, when I'm not replenishing, I'm slowing everyone that follows me down. So I have to replenish. I have to stay on top of my game. And during this period of time, little things become big. The smallest of things becomes an irritation. The smallest of things becomes too big. Oh, I can't handle this. Another thing. When another thing is a big thing, it's a sign that you've probably lost that engagement on the end of you. So sometimes leaders can get drained because of demanding ministry. Sometimes they dry out because they just start replenishing. And then the third one is disappointment, fatigue from people or events. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul talks about just some tough moments that were happening in life and we were involving people. Now, these tough moments were disappointing because he felt like he had done the right things, but in doing the right things, somehow these individuals were no longer responding correctly. So, they're now filled with disappointment. And here's the thing about disappointment. Disappointment causes you to want to disengage. So here's the question. Can you live your convictions when you're tempted to compromise? Can you live your convictions when you're tempted to compromise? See, life's not fair. But when life's not fair, faith is always the equalizer. Life's not fair, but God is a good God. And in the midst of the unfairness of life, always in faith reach out to the goodness of God. Another way that leaders can lose their passion is when they become disillusioned, when your dream becomes a nightmare. See, leaders are dreamers. They see a future that doesn't exist in the natural. And whether it's a church in a place that there hasn't been a church, whether it's a business and a product where there hasn't been a business and a product, they see it. But what happens when you have a clear dream, but now the dream just gets caught up in just day-to-day and it gets caught up in struggle, and at times strife. What do you do? What do you do when your dream becomes a nightmare? Well, there's no one who exhibits this more than Joseph in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God gave him a dream. It see, many times our idea is that if it's a godly dream, somehow things will just naturally just play out that dreams that are God-given happen without struggle. It doesn't take any analysis of Scripture to find out that Joseph is the poster child for a dream becoming a nightmare. Because here's what we don't like. Whenever God gives us a dream, dreams always come with drama. Now, I need you to understand something. Any dream God gives you, will come with drama. There is going to be drama that is going to happen in the midst of the dream. Now, here's the thing. Discipline is the answer to drama. Remember, I've said it many, many times. Discipline is the gift that a leader gives themselves. Deadlines are what people give you when you lack discipline. See, as a disciplined soul, what happens is I can handle the drama. But if I'm an individual who doesn't have discipline, then the drama of the dream will eat me alive. So again, discipline is the ability to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. See, if you wanted to do it and you wanted to do it right now, there's no discipline. That's called fun. And many people mistake fun and discipline. Discipline is the ability to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And then many leaders lose their passion because of doubts. If I could say something to young leaders and to leaders in the middle of their journey. Doubts are a part of the journey. Now, I get it. I come from a group that is highly faith oriented. I can quote the verses. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. All of those are great promises of faith. But all of those deal with the reality also that the reason faith is so profound is that doubts are so real. I've never met a leader that didn't have doubts. They didn't have doubts when it comes to decisions that they've had to make. They haven't had doubts when it comes to their calling. Every leader that I know has had to navigate doubts. I think it was in a recent podcast, I refer back to Mother Teresa, who I think was such a remarkable leader, and how she possessed doubts. There were times when she didn't feel God. She couldn't reference God. And, of course, people who were unbelievers, when they read her memoirs, they said, see, she didn't believe in God. No, she believed in God. We just believe in spite of our doubts. Unbelievers just choose to believe their doubts. But I've never met a leader that didn't have questions. But questions are the environment where you begin to grow. And if you begin to grow... Things happen. But if you allow questions to grow without faith, then uncertainties begin to take over. Well, am I really called to do this? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Well, what do I do here? These are five reasons that leaders can lose their passion. Let me give you three thoughts about passion. We mentioned that if you take the ancient definition of passion, it meant having a cause that is greater than your pain. If you take the modern definition of passion, it means to be on fire. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, being fervent in the spirit, being on fire, boiling over, white heated. That's the concept of passion. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to be on fire, then you're going to have to do three things. One, you're going to have to give fuel to the fire. You're going to have to give fuel to the fire. See, for a fire to sustain, fuel has to be constantly given to the fire. Or eventually, the heat will dissipate. So what gives fuel to your fire? Not all of us are the same. For me to have moments of fire in me, I need solitude. I need distance. I don't know if it's because I've learned that this is true about me or because I've had to live through so many traumas with so many people that I've known that if I don't create distance, I'm just no good. I know what it means when Jesus separated himself to pray. I have to have moments of separation, solitude. I have a dear friend, Tony Cook. He is just the master student of Scripture. The thing that fuels his fire is just literally, literally getting out 10 commentaries and looking at the origin of different uh biblical views and consolidating them together i have another dear friend she just sits at the piano and plays just making a melody up just infuses her heart for john maxwell i've watched him as he would literally jump in the pool and he'll swim for 30, 45 minutes and at his home pool, he has worship going on and the worship that's going on is just sitting there fueling his heart. So what adds fuel to your fire? Next, how do you stoke the fire? How do you stoke the fire? What do you do to prod the fire? You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I believe it's verse 6, Paul told Timothy, stir up. That word stir up means to rekindle, to just sort of prod the fire to get the best out of it. What pokes you? See, if you're not being poked, you're probably not being led by God. So what's sort of getting at you? So you have to give fuel to the fire, you have to stoke the fire, and then you have to learn to sit by the fire. Whose fire do you sit by that when you leave that fire, you want to be on fire? There's just a couple of people in my life, but when I'm around them, they make me think bigger, they make me live bigger, they make me serve bigger, they make me believe bigger. Three things. Give fuel to the fire, stoke the fire, and sit by the fire. That being said, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I pray that this has helped you. Our world is in need of passionate leaders. I do want to say to you, go to Gerald Brooks Ministry. As I mentioned, there's resources at the very beginning of this. I think those resources will help you immensely. Uh... I think this time of year when you're giving gifts, if you're going to give a gift, give a gift that'll change someone's life. So I just want to encourage you. Go to the website. Thank you again for joining. Thank me. you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.